And we're going to get uh, right into it this morning. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it on, open it up, and head for James chapter 3. James chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have it on the screens for you. And if you're new, we are in a message series through the book of James called Faith in Motion, where James, the little brother of Jesus, is really just kind of hammering home this idea that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is not just a set of intellectual beliefs. It's not even just something that we confess with our mouths, right? There's a lot of people that would say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. And James is saying, hold up, that's, that's not all following Jesus is about. Following Jesus is actually something that should transform your life, right? It should affect how you interact with your spouse or your kids or your neighbors or your classmates or your coworkers. And basically he's saying authentic faith, living faith, is something that is active. It's born out in the way that we live our lives. It's not just an intellectual ascent, right? And so through this whole series, James has really just kind of taken off the gloves, man, and he is just working us over uh, in the best way possible, even though it hurts. And as I was kind of thinking about an illustration for this this week of what James is trying to accomplish in this book, I was thinking to the, the fact that I, I struggle with back issues. I don't know if anybody else struggles with, with back issues, but I've had back issues on and off since I was a teenager. I think some of it relates to sports injuries. Some of it, I think, just relates to the fact that I'm getting old, right? It's a good day now. If I roll out of bed, I haven't injured myself in my sleep. Um, and so that's a good indication that you're, you know, you're getting old. So I got different people that I go to. I got a chiropractor that I go to. I got a, a physical therapist that I go to. And this guy that I've been going to recently, I go in, and the first thing he does is he actually hooks up these uh, electrodes to my back muscles, right? And then he can kind of crank up the intensity. And, and sometimes it's not too bad, and sometimes it, it really hurts, you know? And so he kind of loosens me up, and then he comes in, and he absolutely just works me over. I mean, just as hard as he can, just a kind of deep tissue massage. And I kid you not, I lay there and I pray for it to be over the, the entire time. It just, it really, really hurts. But here's the deal. When I get up off of that table, I feel so much better, right? It feels absolutely incredible. Why? Because I've gone through that hard work of getting that junk, getting those toxins, right, out of my muscles, getting my spine aligned just right, um, so that my spine and my muscles can function the way that they were designed to function. And I think, ultimately, this is what James is trying to accomplish with us through this book on a spiritual level, right? It hurts. It's not comfortable. As we go through these things, we're oftentimes challenged. I've been so convicted uh, every single week as we work through James, but it's actually on the end of it, on the other side of it, it's really, really good and healthy for us. If you were here last week, you know James, as Pastor Jonathan mentioned, really worked us over about our tongues, right? About, about our words, the power of words, and how as followers of Jesus, we should, we should yield or wield our, our words for good in God's kingdom and not for evil, not to cut people down and not to injure people. So he talked about that last week, and this week he's going to shift our attention to really two pictures of wisdom. Now, the truth of the matter is, uh, regardless of where you are, I don't care if you're a uh, uh, born again follower of Jesus, uh, you're maybe an atheist, agnostic, you're on the fence, maybe you're a Buddhist, whatever it is, wherever you are, we all live according to some code of wisdom, right? We, we just do. Now, whether you get your code of wisdom from Hollywood or friends or social media influence, influencers or like a religious system, a spiritual worldview, we are all on a quest to find wisdom that will give us, that will result in a happier life. And James is gonna tell us this morning that there are two types of wisdom. 
in this world. There's one type of wisdom that will lead us to chaos and pain and destruction, and there's another kind of wisdom that if we subscribe to and live by this set of standards and wisdom will lead us to life, abundant life. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna start in verse 13. We're gonna go all the way through the end of that chapter, and then we're gonna dip into the first three verses of chapter four. It's kind of one cohesive thought from, from James. And so we're gonna read it together in one block, and then we're just gonna kind of pull it apart and digest it together. All right, let's start chapter three, beginning in verse 13. James writes this. Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Chapter four, verse one, he continues the thought. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, now, we don't know exactly what's going on in all these churches that James is, is writing to, but we do know that he's dealing with conflict in all these churches that have absolutely been scattered all across the Roman Empire in, in pers by persecution, right? No clue what the, the source of the conflict is. I'm guessing it probably was something really important, like whether or not to serve Starbucks or Dunkin' Donut in the lobby before church starts, right? Now, we at New Life have circumvented that problem. We have both Starbucks and Dunkin'. We've got the Dunkin' for those of us who love Jesus. We've got the Starbucks for those of you who still need to find Jesus, and that's okay. There's no, there's no judgment from me there. Um, but the, the reality is they, they may have been arguing about something even more important, like, hey, how come, how come Sue gets to be a small group leader and I don't get to be a small group leader? How, how come Tom gets to sing on the worship team and I don't get to sing on the worship team. My mom told me that I had a really good singing voice when I was growing up. Your mama lied to you. The bottom line is there's conflict in the church. And we don't know if it's about coffee or who can sing on the worship band. It doesn't really matter. He doesn't tell us there is some kind of conflict and he's addressing it, right? This probably explains why he spent so much time last week talking about the power and the danger of words, Right, Because the reality is, in conflict, we tend to use our words as weapons against those who have hurt us, right? Don't we? We, we just tend to, we tend to do that. You hurt me, you made me bleed, now I'm gonna cut you, I'm gonna watch you bleed with my words. That's how we act, right? And conflict can tend to bring out just the absolute worst in all of us. And it's in those moments when the heat kind of gets cranked up in the kitchen and the heat of the battle that we desperately, desperately need wisdom in our lives. And James is gonna tell us this morning, listen, there are two kinds of wisdom. There's wisdom from above. We're gonna call that godly wisdom. And he's also gonna say there's another kind of wisdom. It's the most common kind of wisdom, and that is, that is earthly wisdom. He actually goes so far as to call it demonic wisdom. We're gonna call it worldly wisdom. And you've gotta understand that for all of us, 
our default source of wisdom is worldly wisdom, right? So, so by nature, all of us are fallen, we are broken, we are, we are sinful people. And so when we experience conflict, our default setting is to kind of latch on to solutions that we see in the world around us. And that tends to lead to disaster in our lives and in our relationships. That is worldly wisdom. And so what does this really dangerous worldly wisdom look like? Well, James is gonna lay it out really clearly and really beautifully for us. Look back at verse 14, worldly wisdom. He says, but if you have, listen, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and, listen, every vile practice. All right, so I'm gonna throw uh, the beginning of this list up on the screen for you. If you're a list person, this is your week, all right? You're gonna have all kinds of lists that you can write down. So what he tells us first, here's what worldly wisdom looks like. Bitter jealousy, which he said leads to disorder, that word kind of means chaos, and selfish ambition, right? Which leads to, he says, Every vile practice, that's just kind of a, a catch-all term for, for sin or evil in our lives, right? So if we have these tendencies, if we're subscribing to this system of worldly wisdom, these are gonna be the fruits that are fleshed out in our lives. And so let me just ask you this morning, do you ever find yourself jealous of somebody else? Do you ever find yourself jealous of somebody else? Even, maybe even to the point of becoming bitter, Right? Like you don't even have to try. You just kind of, you see that person or you see him on social media and you just get this thing in your heart where you're, you're jealous or you feel this sense of bitterness about maybe what God has given them or what they've been able to accomplish in their life. And it's just kind of this seething, unhealthy thing that's deep in your heart and your soul. And James is saying, watch out. And, th and this can look uh, like a thousand different things. This could, can be a kind of attitude of like, man, how, how come that guy got the promotion at work and not me? Like I work way harder than that guy. I know I'm way smarter than that guy. Like I'm, I'm the first one in the morning. I'm the last one to leave and he got the promotion. Like that is not fair. What's going on? How come she's married and I'm still single? Like man, she's way uglier than I am. Like if you've seen her buck teeth, how does she have a husband and I'm still single? What about this one? A little, a little more painful. How come that couple can have kids and we can't? God, why? We've been trying for five years. We've been trying for, for, for 10 years. And then you got this couple over here. They don't even have a good relationship, but they just look at each other and she's pregnant again. Like, how, how, how is this fair? How come she gets to sing on the worship team? Doesn't Mike Watkins know that I sing like an angel in the shower? Like, how can he not see that? That could be a personal example. I'm still a little bit bitter about Still hoping for the invite from Watkins at some point. James says bitter jealousy springs from selfish ambition. And here's where that path will lead you. It will lead you to chaos. And he says every vile practice, right? Sin, destruction, chaos in your life. What James is ultimately saying is he's saying, hey, guys, listen, this is not going to end well for you. Right? This, this may seem right in the moment. Your friends may applaud you. People on social media may applaud you for following this kind of wisdom. This is not going to end well for you. This is not my wisdom. This is worldly wisdom. This is actually demonic. 
See, the reality is our world tells us, our culture tells us all sorts of lies, right? So I'll just give you a, a couple of common ones that we hear kind of constantly in our culture. How about this one? You get yours, right? We hear that all the time, right? Girl, you get yours, right? You take care of you. You make sure people respect you, and if they don't do everything the way they, they ought to treat you, man, you just, you give them a piece of your mind. You take care of you. You get yours. But then Jesus kind of flips the script, right? And he says, listen, guys, you, you actually find your life by laying your life down. In my kingdom, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Paul in the book of Philippians says, hey, count others as more significant than yourselves. Don't just look out for your own interests, but look out for the interest of other people. See, the world's wisdom is set at odds with God's wisdom. They're actually contradictory. They're two separate, completely separate things. How about this one? Culture tells us all the time. You've heard it. Follow your heart, right? Sounds kind of good in a Disney movie or a song or whatever it is. Follow your heart, or now it's kind of been rebranded or repackaged to live your truth, right? You, you live your truth, man. Whatever that is, no outside sources, whatever is true for you, you just cling to that and you don't let anybody tell you that it's wrong. You live out your truth, which by the way is the dumbest thing you could ever do in your life. So dumb. Because here's the reality. If I follow my heart, if I live out my truth, look, I'm just, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, eat, I'm gonna eat double bacon cheeseburgers every day, three meals a day with waffle fries from Chick-fil-A, and I'm gonna weigh 700 pounds and be on life support. I don't need to follow my heart. I don't need to live my truth. If I follow my every whim and my every desire, man, I could easily shipwreck my marriage. I could destroy my family. The message of Jesus is don't follow your heart, follow me. Don't live your truth. Live in the safety and the confines of my truth. And so when we take the world's wisdom, especially as believers, followers of Jesus, and we apply it to our lives, we tend to become selfish, narcissistic, demanding human beings who are always constantly trying to fight for our way and fight for our rights, and then we wonder why our marriages are terrible wonder why we don't have good relationships with our kids, wonder why we don't have any real, authentic, deep friendships. And you wanna know why I think James would say it's because you have become a selfish jerk. You've been following the world standards of wisdom, you've been applauded the whole way, and now you're a jerk that nobody even wants to be around. You're just out there trying to live your truth, you're out there trying to get yours, and you're fighting for your rights, and the world is applauding you saying, yeah, boy, you do you. You follow your truth. You follow your heart. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold up, guys. I've, I've actually got a better way for you. Why don't you, why don't you come over here? I've got, a, I've got a whole different way of looking at the world and interacting with relationships, and it's gonna be so much healthier and so much better for you. James says, hey, listen, let me, let me show you what this world, worldly wisdom will lead to. Look at chapter four, verse one. He says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, do not have, and so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James says, listen, worldly wisdom will lead you to relational conflict. 
worldly wit, and many of you, most of you have experienced it. Some of you are experiencing that right now. You're following the ways of the world, the wisdom of the world, and you can't figure out why you're just constantly embroiled in conflict, whether it's with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your kids or your coworkers or whatever it is. Jesus is saying it's because you're following the ways of the world, the wisdom of the world, and it's not gonna end well for you, and it's not gonna be pretty. For those of you who are married, how many of you would have to confess that some of the worst fights that you've had with your spouse have been over some of the dumbest things? How many of you would just have to admit, just me? I'm the only moron here? No? Okay, so there, there are a few, a few morons here. So I was, I, like Alma, Cheryl and I have been married going on 18 years, and we've had some doozies, and, and almost all of them have been over the dumbest of things, just like dumb stuff. And so I actually was asking her this weekend, I'm like, hey, man, I'm think, trying to think of an illustration of a, a dumb thing that we fought over. Can you think of any examples? And she's like, man, I can think of so many, so many, <laughs> especially being married to you. Um, so she, this is actually her idea, so I got her permission. This, so it's, it's all good. Don't text her or email her. She, she already knows. She was here at the nine o'clock. But uh, probably, probably six months ago or so, well, for, let, me, let me start by saying this. If you know my wife, uh, she studied health and wellness in college, right? So she, she was a college athlete. She's been into fitness and nutrition uh, her entire life. And so she likes to eat healthy and she likes to stay in shape and all, all, all that kind of stuff. And some weeks I'm like on board with her and some weeks I'm like, yeah, you do your thing. I'll do my thing over here at, at McDonald's. And, and so we, we're just not, we're not, all, we're not always on, on the same page. And so usually that's okay, except when we take long road trips together as a family. And so not too long ago, probably just a few months ago, we were on a, a road trip, had several hours in the car and, uh, and I missed an exit. Uh, I think we were in, like in Kentucky and apparently there's just like three hour stretches of nothingness in Kentucky, I didn't realize that. And, and um, so it's getting later and later, it's like one o'clock, the kids are, man, they're getting hungry. They're starting to get fussy, it's like 1.30 now and I'm like, man, I gotta find somewhere, somewhere to eat. And then the kids are like, dad, where are, we, where are we gonna stop and eat? We're starving back here, we need, we need something. And so I, I pull off on an exit and, and you gotta understand, for, for Cheryl, there are like two places she absolutely will not eat. So like number two on the do not eat list is, is McDonald's. Number one is Taco Bell. Like she, 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 will, she will not eat. And so, so I got off on this exit and all they had was a McDonald's. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get back. So I get back on the interstate. It's another, now it's like two o'clock, 2.30. The kids are screaming in the back. I'm about to pull my hair out. I finally find another exit somewhere in the backwoods of Kentucky. I pull off and once you know, the only restaurant they have is a Taco Bell. And she looks at me like, I dare you. <laughs> and I go, we're, we're going, we're going, man. The kids are hungry and we're gonna, we, we are gonna eat these tacos and you are gonna enjoy it. We're, 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 you're gonna like it. You're gonna be thankful to the Lord for his provision, whether you like it or not, woman. Get saved, right? And, um, and so she's sitting there and she's like, I am not gonna eat there. I'm fine, kids get out of the car. And so we go and we get our tacos and we get our chalupas and she sits there arms folded in the car. She gets back in, we start driving, we're all eating our tacos, she's sitting there looking straight ahead, will not make eye contact, will not talk. Say, hey, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> G- guys, just, just a little bit of advice. When you ask your wife when, if something is wrong and they say nothing, it's a trap, right? <laughs> it's a lie, it means a lot's wrong, right? And you better dig a little bit deeper and be a little bit sweeter. And that, that's, what, that's what it means. And so, so we, we literally, for three more hours, ride and, and it's, it's just silence. Right? She's giving me the silent treatment. I'm mad. I'm going to Taco Bell. And, and so we're, we're just sitting there, and the kids are like, man, this is awkward, right? Because mom and dad aren't talking, and we're talking to each other through the kids. Hey, Haley, will you ask your mom where the, where the water is? <laughs> right? 
And so it's just this chaotic thing, man, and we get there, and we're mad at each other, and we finally make up that night, and it's all good. But what was going on there, man? We were both subscribing to worldly wisdom, man. It was selfish ambition, and I want my way, and I don't care about your way. And the other person was thinking, I want my way, and I don't care about your way. And we're just in this clash, right, this crazy cycle, and it wasn't healthy for us, and it wasn't healthy for our kids. And if anybody knew us and knew I was a pastor, it would have been a terrible witness. It was just really awful, right? We were Subscribing to worldly wisdom. And so let me, I just want to show you a list. If you're a note taker, write it down, take your phone out, take a picture of this. This is, this is worldly wisdom. This is the list that James gives us in this text. And let me just encourage you, examine your life. Just, just be honest. As we go through these, be on, are these things that are constantly present in your life? Are these things that you need to work uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit to eradicate some of these things in your life? So, so here's a list. He says, if you are subscribing to worldly wisdom, this is what your life is gonna look like. It's gonna be full of bitter jealousy. How you doing there? Selfish ambition, disorder and chaos in your relationships, every vile practice, again, that's just a, a tendency towards sinful things in your life, fights and quarrels, misplaced passions, deadly desires, and the last one, an ineffective prayer life. Now, I gotta admit to you, I think the last one is probably the scariest one of all. James says, hey, listen, this kind of wisdom will make your prayer life completely ineffective. And I don't know about you, but I want God to hear my prayers. I want God to hear my prayers, and I want God to answer my prayers. And James says, hey, listen, guys, you, you have not because you ask not because you're too busy out there chasing all this worldly wisdom that's just screwing up your life. And even when you do remember to pray to God, you pray wrongly and selfishly to spend all these things on your own passion. And God will not answer those types of self-centered prayers. And James goes, hey, man, what, what, what's causing all this chaos, all this disease in our lives, all this junk, like conflict and jealousy and selfish ambition and an ineffective prayer life. And he goes, is it not your passions? Is it not your passions that are actually at war inside of you? He's saying, hey, listen, guys, the root issue is not the conflict. It's not the jealousy. It's not the selfish ambition. All of those things ultimately are just symptoms of an underlying disease. And that disease, he says, are your inner passions. See, what James is saying is at the end of the day, we don't have a conflict problem, we have a heart problem. We have a sin problem. And I think what James would say to us if you were here this morning, he'd say, listen, you guys need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Maybe the problem isn't with everybody else around you. Maybe the problem is inside of you. So if you're one of those kind of people that you just bounce from friendship to friendship and uh, romantic relationship to romantic relationship and you can't keep a job longer than a year or, or whatever because, man, everybody's always against you and everybody's always mean, something's always wrong with everybody around you, I think James would say, you need to hit pause, friend. You need to look into the mirror and examine and see, man, is, is, is something actually wrong inside of me? Maybe, maybe this is not a problem with everybody else in the world. Maybe, maybe this is a me problem. Maybe this is a soul problem. Maybe this is a heart problem. I remember uh, seeing a, a movie in college, and I'm not gonna tell you the name of it because you probably shouldn't go see it, but uh, there, there's a, this movie about a secret island, okay? And so the whole premise of the movie was this group of people decided to, to move out to this secret island, and they were gonna create 
a, a paradise, a utopia for themselves, right? They were going to get away from the brokenness of the world and the, the violence of the world and the lies of the world and all the political systems and schemes, and they were going to have this perfect utopia, right? And so the movie starts off great. It's awesome. There's a lot of clear blue water, and they're catching fish, and they're laughing on the beach, and this is an awesome thing. And like, man, this is awesome. But all of a sudden, halfway through the movie, things begin to spiral out of control. Right? And then there are lies, and there are deceptions, and there are affairs, and there are murders. And eventually, at the end of the movie, everybody is so disillusioned that they leave Paradise Island and they go back into the world because what they discovered was that the problem wasn't out there in the world. The problem was in here. The problem was in here. And that reminds me of a really famous quote from a, a Navy officer named Oliver Perry, who in the 1800s famously said this after a battle. He said, we have met the enemy, and he is us. We have met the enemy, and he is us. That reminds me of an old southern adage, wherever you go, there you are. That's real deep. Let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. And aren't we our greatest enemies oftentimes? That's what James is saying. He said, listen, guys, this is, this is one kind of wisdom. This is, this is worldly wisdom over here. This is, by the way, guys, this is the wisdom that you're gonna get from culture. This is the wisdom that you're gonna get from Hollywood, right? And all those famous singers and actors that you follow on Instagram and Twitter. This is the worldly wisdom that you're gonna get from those spheres. Worldly wisdom, this is what you're gonna find on most of the, the famous kind of social media influencers that you all follow and think are so cool, right? And I do the same thing, so I'm guilty of it. This is the wisdom that you're gonna get from those people. And James is saying, listen, it's high garbage. It's rubbish, it's trash. And this kind of wisdom, he's saying, is gonna lead you into all sorts of chaos and pain. But here's the good news, there's another kind of wisdom. This is wisdom from above. This is the narrow path. This is the road less traveled. And he gives us this narrow path, this godly wisdom, beginning in verse 13. Let's read it. He says this, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now here again, James is saying, hey, wisdom is not just about head knowledge here. It's, a, it's about action. It's about the way that you live your life. It's born out in how we live our life. That's true wisdom. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 said, wisdom is proved true by her actions. Wisdom is proved true by her actions. And here's what godly wisdom looks like. He gives us two characteristics here. He's gonna give us a few more in just a minute. But first of all, he says it looks like good works. And so let me just ask you, man, does your life reflect those sorts of good works that derive from God's wisdom? Are you seeking out ways to do good to those in need around you where you live, work, and play in the name of Jesus? Is that something that characterizes your life? You're just looking for opportunities to show grace to people, to meet physical needs, to meet emotional needs, to meet spiritual needs, good works. That's one characteristic of godly wisdom in your life. He says, here's the second characteristic, it's meekness. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think of the word meek. It's not really a word that we use very much in today's society or culture. But if you're anything like me, when I hear the word meek, I kind of think automatically of weak, right? And so when I, when I hear the word meek, I kind of think of 
Mother Teresa, kind of her last days, really old, frail lady, just kind of shuffling through an orphanage in India, like frailly trying to feed. Or like, that, that's kind of what I think about. But the reality is that that's not the biblical picture of meekness at all. In fact, the very best definition I've come across of meekness is actually strength under control. Right? That Jesus was called meek as the most powerful man that ever walked this earth, right? Legions of angels at his command, right? Going through temples, flipping tables upside down. He was considered meek. It is, it is strength under control, right? It's learning how to show gentleness when you actually have the power to crush somebody. So you got to understand, godly wisdom is not like worldly wisdom. It's not all about me, me, me. It's about doing good to others. It's not about crushing other people to get to where you want to get in life. It's about meekness, strength under control for the good of other people. James continues to map this out or flesh this out, godly wisdom. Look at verse 17. He says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure. I don't know what you think about when you hear the word pure, but if you look at the Greek, what, it, what it's really talking about is just the pursuit of holiness in our life. So it's not just one thing, it's, it's many different areas of our life, just meaning that, that generally speaking, we are trying to pursue God's ways in our life instead of the world's ways. I remember uh, when Cheryl and I were engaged, we graduated from college, and we had about six months before our wedding date. And so I moved back in with my parents, which by the way is not the coolest thing to do when you're 23 years old. Moved back in with my parents and worked, and she moved in with my sister, it was a tiny little two-bedroom apartment and was paying my sister rent. And there were people then, and certainly there were pe people today that would say, what, what are you guys doing, man? It would be a lot. You, got, you know you're gonna get married. It's gonna save you money. Why don't you guys just go ahead and get an apartment together, just live together. You can prepare for the wedding together. You can kind of see what your differences are. Like, this would actually make a whole lot of sense. But for us, man, we, we, we just wanted, we wanted to pursue this idea of purity, of honoring God in our sexual relationship before marriage, right? Of course, since then, multiple, multiple secular studies have come out showing that cohabitation before marriage is linked to higher rates of divorce after marriage. I mean, it's almost like God knows what he's talking about, you know? It's crazy. Now, now, now this, is not, you know, this is not just, I'm not trying to pick on you if you're living with your girlfriend or boyfriend. This is not just true in the area of sexual purity. This kind of purity, pursuing holiness, is also fleshed out in just simple everyday things. Like, man, do you fudge your taxes? Are you honest with your taxes? Do you respect your boss at work? Do you respect your teachers at school? What do you look at online, on your phone, on your device when nobody else is around? James is just saying it's this idea if we're living according to God's wisdom, we're gonna have this pursuit, not perfection, but this desire, this pursuit of holiness in our lives. Then he says, hey, listen, it's, it's, not, just, it's not just purity. The second thing he says still in verse 17, as he says, it's, then it's peaceable. Are you a person that's just always looking for a fight? Or are you a person that's just kind of naturally argumentative? Have you ever met somebody like that? They just, they wanna argue with you about everything? Like you tell them the sky is blue. They're like, ah, is it really? Is the sky really, is the sky really blue? Right? They, just, they just wanna argue with you about anything, right? That's not, James is saying, that's not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom pursues peace whenever possible. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, his longest sermon uh, recorded, this is what he says. He says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. It's a pretty big promise, isn't it? 
For those of us who pursue peace in our lives, they shall be called sons and daughters of God. So it's not only pure, it's not only peaceable. James, the third thing he gives us right here in this part is he says they're, they're gentle. That's a fruit of godly wisdom is being gentle. So let me just ask you, are you harsh with your words? When you get frustrated, when you get upset with a friend or a parent or a kid, are you, are you cutting with your words? Are you harsh? Are you quick with your words? Would people who know you describe you as a gentle person? If I, if, I, if I found some of your friends or maybe your spouse and just said, hey, tell me about them, would they say, man, they're so gentle? Man, even when they're upset, they're just, they season their words with grace and love. They're uplifting. They're just, they're just gentle. Just, it's good for the soul to be around them. Would people describe you that way? Then James says, hey, hey here's, here, let me give you another characteristic of godly wisdom. Uh, it, it's being, being open to reason. So let me ask you, are you a good listener? Do you, do you listen to other people's perspectives? Do you evaluate their point of view? Or are you just quick to cut people off? Do you already have things locked in your mind? You're just not even gonna listen to them. In fact, maybe when they're talking to you, you're not even listening. You're, you're thinking of the next comeback to kind of destroy their argument. James is saying, man, that, that's not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is open to reason. The next thing he says godly wisdom looks like is, full of mercy and good fruits. And here again, James is saying, listen, God, godly wisdom is about action, good fruit. It's not just about an intellectual belief system. It's not just about saying that you're a Christian with your mouth or saying you love Jesus with your mouth. It is actually born out in action. Your life should actually reflect what you claim you believe. So let me ask you are, you, are you looking for those opportunities? Are you looking for those people around you that you can show mercy to? Can you, are you looking for people that you have, they have practical needs that you can meet in the name of Jesus? Or are you so preoccupied with yourself and your schedule and what you want, what's going on in your life, man, that you rarely even notice opportunities for good works around you? He's saying, hey, listen, if you're following my wisdom, if you're following God's godly wisdom, you're gonna be looking for these opportunities to be a dispenser of mercy, of good works to other people. The second thing he said, or the next thing he says is that godly wisdom looks like impartiality and sincerity. This, this simply means that you're, you don't show favoritism. Like we, we talked about this in depth a couple of weeks ago. That you don't, you don't show favoritism towards the rich and the powerful or those who can somehow benefit you, man. But you, you love the poor and you love the powerless just like Jesus did. The people that can do nothing for you, you love them. You, you care for them, Right? Then he says, you're also, you'll begin to become a sincere person. And in the Greek, that actually just, it means the opposite of hypocrisy. So you're, are you the kind of person that just tries to put on a show? Are you the same person at home as you are when you walk in this room on Sunday mornings? Or do you put on a mask? You become somebody different here, and then when you walk out of here, you become somebody different at home. Are you somebody that tries to make others think that you are better than yourself, than you actually are? Or are you sincere? Are you just honest? Like, man, this, this is who I am. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. Here, here are my mistakes. Here are my shortcomings. That's, that's sincerity, right? You're, you're not a, a fake person. James says, man, this is a quality of following godly wisdom. And then in verse 18, he says this. This is amazing. He says, in a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
He's saying, listen, guys, this is the result of this type of wisdom. It is a harvest of righteousness, meaning that if you live within God's scope of godly wisdom, you're going to create an atmosphere in your life. You're going to create this atmosphere in your home, with your friends, in your church, with everyone you meet of peace and mercy and sincerity and good fruits. Man, you are going to become an influencer for good in God's kingdom. And your life will begin to give people a taste of who Jesus is and what he's like and what his kingdom looks like. And let me tell you, man, this is, this is the best life. So we've already looked at the list of worldly wisdom. Let me, let me just give you a, a list form of godly wisdom here. And just, again, kind of examine your life as you look through this and kind of compare those two lists and say, man, which one of these really characterizes my life most? So if you're walking according to godly wisdom, not the world standards, not worldly wisdom, James is saying this is what your, your life is gonna begin to look like. Good works, it's gonna be present. Meekness, right, that strength under control. Pure, that means you're, you're pursuing holiness in your life, in your relationships with other people. Peaceable, you're not argumentative. Gentle, right, you're, you're a kind person. Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit. Impartial, sincere, and ultimately you will receive a harvest of righteousness. Do you wanna know who looks an awful lot like that list? You better not say you, because it's not you. Jesus looks an awful lot like that list, right? Jesus embodied this flawlessly and perfectly. And so here, here's the big idea of, of the whole message. I'm gonna put this on the screens for you. Here it is. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. I think James was saying to us, godly wisdom, living in the ways of Jesus, following his pathway, produces Jesus-centered people who become kingdom influencers. Let me repeat that one more time. Godly wisdom produces Jesus-centered people who become kingdom influencers. And that, friend, is why you need this kind of wisdom in your life. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're on the fence, you're agnostic, you're Buddhist, you're New Age, whatever it is, that's why you need this kind of wisdom, real wisdom, wisdom from above, wisdom that can only come from God himself. And you gotta know, this is the best, most adventurous life available to any of us on this side of heaven. I love the way Proverbs 8 puts it. It says this, wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. There's this amazing story in the book of 1 Kings where Solomon, who's following as, as king from, from his father, King David, um, and, and God appears to Solomon at night and says, hey, listen, Solomon, ask me for one thing. Ask me for one thing and, and, I'll, and I'll give it to you. And I, and I love Solomon's response in 1 Kings. He, says, he goes, God, I'm like a child. It's like, God, I, I, you've given me this, this entire kingdom. You've given me this, the most powerful, most wealthy nation on, on planet Earth. And, and my job is to like, steer all these people to, to love you and to follow you. And, and yet I'm young. I'm like a child. He's like, God, I don't, even, I don't know what to do. He's just honest with God. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I have no clue. I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. And his, here, here, here's his one request. He's like, God, I don't, I don't care about riches, and I don't care about palaces, and I don't care about fame. God, all I want is your wisdom. God, all I want, just give me your mind. God, just, just give me your guidance. Like, all I want, the thing I want most in my life, God, right now is, is your wisdom. 
And God honors Solomon's prayer and he gives him wisdom and he made him incredibly wise and his kingdom flourished throughout the course of his life. So let me just ask you as we begin to land the plane this morning, is that something that you desire in your life? Like, is that something that you legitimately desire in your life, that you would, you would cry out like Solomon, God, I just, I don't care about anything else. I don't care, I don't care about my career. I don't care about a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I don't, I don't care about money. I don't care about a house. I don't care about vacations. I don't care about my 401k. All I want, the thing that I want in life, God, is your wisdom. I just wanna walk in your ways. I just wanna walk in your presence. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. This is what I want most. Do you desire that? Is that your heart's desire? Or are you satisfied with the world's wisdom and the world's ways that's causing all kinds of chaos and pain and dissension in your relationships and in your life? Think back to the very first chapter of, of James, and he said, if any one of you lacks wisdom, he should do what? He should ask God, who gives it to anyone who asks generously. And so as we get ready to close and the band comes, let me just encourage you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. If you're in the house, just bow your heads, close your eyes for a second. If you're at home, bow your heads with me for a second. Just want us to focus, allow the word of God to, to sit on our hearts, maybe allow the Holy Spirit to apply some of these truths to our hearts and our lives. Let me just ask you this question. Do you know the God of this wisdom? Do you actually personally know the God that gives this kind of wisdom that leads to abundant life? Because here's what I know to be true, because it was true of me for many years. It is absolutely possible to know all about God and actually not know God at all. Did you know that? Especially if you grew up in the deep south, man, and you grew up in church and your grandparents were Christians and, and your mama took you to VBS and church every single Sunday. It is possible, and I'm convinced there are millions of people all over the American landscape that are sitting in churches just like this one right now, this morning, who think they're in when they're actually out. Because they know a lot of facts about God, just like they know a lot of facts about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, but they've never actually met God in a way that transformed their lives. So let me just say, man, if that's you, if you're watching online or if you're here in the room and you would have to say, man, that's me, Chris. Like, I, I, I know stuff about God. Maybe I could even quote some Bible verses to you, but man, I have never ever given my life to Jesus in such a way that he begins to transform my desires in the way that I think, in the way that I live. And if that's you, let me just encourage you, man, today is a great day to begin that authentic journey with Jesus. Man, don't, don't leave this place today without having that settled in your heart and your mind. And so I want you to know, as soon as we sing in just a few minutes, I'm gonna be hanging out up front. We're gonna have other prayer partners hanging out front. We would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to give you some resources to start this journey with Jesus. If you're watching online, you can reach out. We have chat host online. They would love to connect you, let you know more about what this journey with Jesus actually looks like. And then secondly, let me just say, man, I, I know that there are many of us that are in the room that are tuned in online, and we know Jesus. We love Jesus. We are being changed by Jesus. But man, I think the call for a lot of us is probably this week just to get on our faces before God and say, like Solomon, God, I, I love you. 
God, I love you, but, but, but I'm, I'm like Solomon. I'm, I'm like a little kid. I don't know what to do. Half the time, I don't know which way is up, which way is down. I don't know whether to go left or right in my life, in my relationships, in my career. Like, I, I just, I need your wisdom. And God, I, I want my life to be a reflection of who Jesus is, and I want to be a peacemaker, and I want my life to be filled with good works and sincerity and mercy and all these things. But God, I can't do this on my own because I know that I tend to drift towards selfishness and ambition and pride and jealousy and I tend to mess stuff up and mess relationships up in my life. So a lot of us just need to pray, Father, help us. Help us cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ this week like never before. Father, would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit this week so that we can walk in this kind of wisdom for our good, for the good of others around us, and ultimately for your glory. And we pray all of these things in the strong and the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand up and let's lift high the beautiful name of Jesus together.